Hello, welcome to the Slewcast, the Elkhorn Slew Foundation podcast. Elkhorn Slough is one of California's last great coastal wetlands. We see Elkhorn Slough and its watershed protected forever, a working landscape where people, farming, industry, and nature thrive together. Here on the Slewcast, we'll explore Elkhorn Slough together, build community, and share stories of the special place. Welcome. Bienvenidos, everyone. I just got to say, we've stepped up our game. We are now doing video and audio. So if you want to watch this episode visually, watch it. It's up on YouTube. Go check it out. What's the animal that comes to mind when we think about Elkhorn Slough? For me, adorable otters, right? If you know otters, if you know Elkhorn Slough, you might have heard the name Ron Eby. Ron has volunteered for almost 20 years here at the reserve. Currently, he is the lead volunteer for the Reserve Otter Monitoring Program, also known as ROMP. And I I got to see the slough through his eyes. Um, We were out in the slough on his boat, which has an electric motor. Um, Thanks to the Webb family for that donation. Um, He was able to get that motor, and he's super happy with it. It It's awesome. For those of you who don't know Ron, well, now you will. I asked Ron, what would the otter say? You know, you're around otters. What would the otter say about you? And this is what he had to say. Listos? Vamonos. My name is Ron Eby. Uh, I live here in Monterey. I live actually in, in Marina. Uh, and as to what the otters would probably say about me, probably say to stop bothering me. I actually got interested in being on the water and fishing and crabbing and all when I was growing up. I grew up in a town called Ocean City, Maryland. It's one of the barrier islands on the East Coast. And I was always on the water. My parents let me get a small boat when I was young. And I would go out, I'd go clamming, I'd go crabbing, I'd go fishing, I'd go duck hunting. Uh, I just loved it. When I graduated, I ended up going to the Naval Academy. So I spent the next four years at the Academy and then 20 years uh, in the Navy, always on the water. And that's what I really loved doing. Uh, part of that, right after Vietnam, I came to Monterey and went to the Naval Postgraduate School. At the same time, I met a girl. End of story. I ended up coming back, and uh, we've been together ever since then. That was 1973. I asked Ron why otters. And uh, his response really told me a lot about who he is as a person. And he's an observer. People who observe are able to figure out what needs to happen. They're doers. They just, we like to do. I include myself there because I'm an observer as well. Let's go. The otters fascinated me. I mean, they're, they're an iconic animal. Uh, and what we had heard about them and all in the training just kind of piqued my interest. Uh, and along with that, I had a friend, Robert Scholes, uh, who also shared the same interest. And both of us were used to observing things. So uh, Robert had been a sheriff with the sheriff's department. 
Uh, I, in my military career and all, I've been, gotten used to doing things and growing up as a kid to seeing nature and trying to look at things. So it was just natural that I was drawn to Elkhorn Slough. And then ultimately, it was through that training that we learned about the otters not holding out, supposedly, for southern sea otters. And we saw their scat on the beach, and that just led us to see that. And we suddenly realized we were seeing things and being able to share that information with others, in Team Ocean, Baynet initially, and then gradually uh, through publishing the paper uh, with the entire scientific world. So it's interesting. Well, that's the Silbrand eelgrass bed, and there's one, two, three, four, five. You don't see my face because I'm behind the camera, but I have this huge smile on my face. I've never seen that many otters ever. There are about together. 35 otters in that group. Crazy. Uh, and again, like I was saying with the other otters, so we're just at the point where the tide's coming in. You see how they're starting to get active? So that's not in relation to us or to the boat. It's just the time of tide tide or the tide level starting to come in and that's what helps them decide to go forage. One of the other things that's been fascinating about it besides the marine mammalite is the eelgrass and so working along with Brent Hughes the next study after the harbor study was on eelgrass and ultimately what we found is there's a very unique four-level trophic cascade happening here in Elkhorn Slough. Uh, and it was just an honor to work with Brent and to discover something that was so new. And what we found is southern these otters, by keeping the crab population under control in the eelgrass beds, enable the grazers that normally go up and down the eelgrass to keep it clean. If you have too many crabs, you don't get enough grazers. The otters keeping the crabs under control, the grazers were thriving, and now the eelgrass is thriving. Right here is an example of the eelgrass and the otters being in it. You can see some are wrapped up in it and they're just as restful as can be. It's another thing that's different with Elkhorn Slough than what had been previously published and talked about with southern sea otters. The general idea had been that southern sea otters live in the coastal area along the coast. They wrap themselves in kelp to keep themselves in place. As you can see here, they're in the eelgrass. The eelgrass blocks the current, it captures the silt, and enables them to rest like that without having to worry. So we're at a relatively low tide, and that's why the otters are still there. These, these otters, a lot of them go back up that creek, stay in the creek, uh, and now as the tide starts coming in, and we're about a one and a half foot tide now, as the tide comes in, they're gonna come out into the main channel and they're going to forage, and ultimately, most of them will end up going into Yampa Creek, where they'll rest during the higher tide. Then as the tide starts coming out, they'll repeat the cycle. They'll come out, they'll forage along the way, and then they'll go back into the resting place here. So it's these type of dynamics that we had no idea about. Nobody had ever said it, nobody had ever studied it, uh, that we're able to find. And it's just so fascinating where day after day, you learn something new, and you're able to share that information with others, and then they can share it with others. Here's a fun fact about eelgrass. A group of 10-year-olds from Southern California wanted to study the effect of gravity um, on eelgrass. 
So they came and collected eelgrass from the Elkhorn Slough uh, with Ron Eby, Kenton Parker, and Peggy Folletta. They took it into the lab. They looked at it. They put it into the tubes. And then it was sent to space. Anyway, something really cool about eelgrass. But uh, we're going to start hearing and learning about um, what what's happening right now without a restoration at Alcorn Slough. So here we go. Over time, the marsh has sunk so much, partly because of extracting water out and also because of water level rise. So the combination of those two, we've lost most of that marsh. What we're trying to do to reestablish that and to prepare for the future is to add dirt into this area that will then enable it to stand up to rising water levels. And that's, you know, it's clear that's going to happen. So eventually, all of this area that we're seeing right here will all be filled in uh, right up to where the eucalyptus trees get uh, much thicker there. That's the eucalyptus grove, and that ends up being Elkhorn Slough Foundation property. So here, you can see why it's so important that we're doing this Hester 3 project. We're at about a one and a half foot tide level. It gets up to over six feet. It totally overtops the levee right there where you see that. And what would have happened without filling this in, ultimately the slough would have cut straight through here. And what happens is the slough comes from the harbor straight towards here, then it goes around Seal Bend. And that slows the current down. If the current, and then the current goes straight beyond this. If this broke through, it would erode so quickly it would just be unbelievable because the currents would just completely eat it away. So fortunately, this is getting filled in. Uh, and what they're going to do is give a little creek here. Otters actually go in behind that levee. And what they're going to do is give a creek here that goes back into the shore side. So that's going to be, uh, it's going to save what we would lose without the help. So all of what you're seeing on the right-hand side is fill that was put in as part of the Hester II project. And we do have otters. This, this is a new uh, creek that they built as part of the project. They went back to the old Ligarfar diagrams and stuff, saw where the creeks used to be, and so we did the best we could to restore it back to how it was previously. And you can see all of the pickleweed growing there on the bank. All of that is filled. That's not what was there before. Before, that was down at about the water level we're at now. It's pretty amazing. Amazing indeed. So much, like you can't really tell how high it is from the video, but it's really high. Hester Marsh is in stage three restoration. Looking forward to learning more about it. Potentially a future episode. Anyway, just wanted to share that and look to the future. A hundred years in the future, actually. One of the neat things about Alcorn Slough is the combination of everything around here. So 
off on this side, we have the Packer property. They raise cattle on there. They have a natural plant farm that uh, they raise native plants so people can plant them. This side, we had the dairy farm was growing. We have the power plant up in the harbor. We have all the commercial fishermen in the harbor. The Amtrak train and all the cargo going north and south in California goes right here through Elkhorn Slough. So it's just amazing to have all of this and the highway and all the traffic, and yet we've been able to preserve Elkhorn Slough. It's not like down at Newport and other areas where the condos took over. That was the initial plan for here. It would have been a beautiful place for that. But fortunately, the local population at that time, and through a lot of work by Elkhorn Slough Foundation, when Mark Silverstein was starting it up, was able to preserve all this land. So this will stay natural. And the foundation owns most of this land, so they can keep it this way in perpetuity uh, for our children, grandchildren, and so on. So it's really a great story. Not only do, do we have the land, but with the Hester projects, we're restoring it to make sure that it will be able to withstand what we're predicting to happen with water level rising. What an incredible impact Ron's had on not only otters, but Elkhorn Slough. It just takes that um, that person, that dedication to, to be able to do that. So, Ron, thank you so much. It was, again, a gift um, on that trip. So i uh super grateful for you and all that you shared, all that you've done. Well, that wraps it up for episode six. If you have anything to add to the Sloughcast, please email me, juan at elkhornslew.org, and follow us on social media, at Elkhorn Slew Foundation. You could visit our website, elkhornslew.org, for future events. This is that season. And a special thank you to those of you who participated in our spring events. More to come. Be on the lookout for those. Again, thank you all so very much. Nos vemos y adiós.